0: Internet, what is up? Well, we're officially, unofficially, officially back from vacation. So it was great, but it was not because I'm a workaholic. So I don't really even know if I took a vacation. I got to do some cool stuff with some cool people. I got to drive up to, well, actually, let me back up. I went to Overland Expo. That was amazing. Met some great people there. Got to hang out. Got to hang out do some stuff with the deck crew and with Lucas over at Grizzly Forge. And we had a great time at the show. Got to meet all kinds of great people and have a great time. It was my first show and it was great. So then I cruised from there up to the great Pacific Northwest, participated in some events with some nonprofits for veterans stuff. So that was great. Got to hang out with some great vets and meet some more great people. And that was awesome. And then I drove a little bit down into the guts of Oregon, and then I just realized that I was tired of being on the road for three weeks. So I wrapped things up and went home uh, to Salt Lake and got a hot shower and slept in my own bed. It was great. Yeah. Then just hit the old grindstone and got right back to work. So I don't know. I just, when working is your passion and realistically, like I'm a busy body, so I can't sit around and do too much yoga or work out too much or read too many books because then I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs for the rest of the day going crazy pacing back and forth like a tiger in a cage so I'm inclined to jump back into work it's probably something I need to work on with myself for self-improvement is learn how to be better at being a vacationer because I fucking suck at it so anyway we're we're back and our first guest on the podcast coming back is my good friend Rick Elder And the last time you guys heard from old Rick was a podcast we recorded very early on. I think Rick was number two in the pipe when I recorded it. He might have been number one, but I think he was number two. He was the, at the time, the president and executive director over at Beyond Clothing. And he has since transitioned to a new endeavor, which we discuss on the podcast. So I hope you guys had a great 30 day break because i know some of you followed in suit with me and took 30 days off of social media and that's great A little social media cleanse is always good for the soul so i will without further ado we'll jump into this next episode coming back off of vacation hope you guys enjoy it
1: i know things are getting tougher when you can't get the
0: top the bottom of the barrel why not future now look fucking now We are in the right place at the right time. So, cheers. Cheers to you, my friend. And Thank you so much for the invitation and uh, accommodating and sitting down to do this. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's my pleasure. Oh, yes. There's nothing like a cocktail in the mid-afternoon to get things going. <laughs> So here we are now. Are we allowed to say what the new the new? We news? should. Okay, very we good. Should. I mean, I, I was hoping so. I I'll was say. hoping you're ready to rip the Band-Aid off. And oh, there's no Band-Aid. It's ripped. Shine some sunlight on it. Although I think the good Mister Graves was was on the ball with putting out the early, the very early. I mean, he was he was the first one to. He was he was uh, he jumped pretty quick, and yeah. uh, I would expect nothing less of Eric. So. Yeah, good dude. I love that guy over at Soldier Systems. So here we are at. Now we can officially call this Huxworks. Yep, the Huxworks Safety Company.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Which is uh, the Human Exposure Works is what that stands for.
0: Yeah. So let's back us into that. Well, first of all, let's let's back up in time because the last time you and I podcasted, you were the man in charge over at Beyond. Yes.
1: Yeah. It was. Uh, I had a a wonderful um, n- almost nine year tour as the president of Beyond Clothing, and got to. Got to you know, honestly, I owe it so much. It was it was amazing. The team there is amazing, and and uh, I just can't thank everyone and frankly Five Eleven for taking that chance on me to allow me to build that satellite for them over that you know, which is almost a decade. It's quite a long time. So it's it's awesome, and uh, and I miss that team every day, and and I'm excited to try to recreate some of what we did there in this project.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was you guys. As we discussed in the first podcast, what was it like a year and a half ago now? It's it was it was pre COVID. Yeah. I think it was right as COVID was being discovered. Like I think it was like right yeah. at I think it was February of February. It was February of uh of twenty. Yeah. Is when we sat down the first time. That's so true. we sat down and then COVID rapidly spiraled out of control and became a thing. Yes. So it's been a minute since we've been able to sit down but the uh, so here we are in not in Seattle in in Salt Lake so t- tell me are you enjoying being back in the mountains I love
1: uh, I love Salt Lake I've loved it for a very very long time and uh, I had the 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 unique opportunity to build with a wonderful team an eyewear division uh, before or beyond with Smith optics and, and their manufacturings here in Ogden so uh, I've been hubbing in and out of this of this area for 20 years, I'd say everything from bringing teams here to train to outdoor retailers when it was here, which, you know, of course we all miss it being here. Anyone who. Oh
0: man, here. I super miss outdoor retailer being here because I don't know, there was just a vibe in the locale and the venue for that show was just, it was really, really good. And I think, I don't know the you know, the exact details of the politics surrounding everything, but like them moving it to Denver. Like I haven't been to an outdoor re- retailer since it's moved out of Salt Lake because the people that I know that go to it in Denver say that it sucks donkey balls. So I don't, I've been to a bunch of them
1: mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'll tell you, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see whether OR lives through this COVID period. It's mm. uh, it's been, you know, it, it's a big part of outdoor retailer where, um, you know, Asian, you know, a lot of the Asian source suppliers yeah. coming over. It was the ease of getting into the U.S. And now, uh, like all times, it's, it's given us a year and a half, especially in the outdoor industry, yeah. to figure out how to live without uh, two really expensive shows a year um, and to become a little more dynamic in that way. And most people embraced that. So now it becomes not a buying show. And there's these, there's these shows called grassroots, which are these more like pole and stanchion, smaller platforms, much cheaper, much more regional. And, uh, you know, little shows like that are destroying the big shows. Uh, Cause the spends are, I was a little company at OR is beyond. And, and I had a, actually had a presentation at Smith there too. And, uh, the, the dollars that go into putting one of those on and the dollars for the booth development, it's just, it, you know, people in the industry that are listening to this, they all know it's part and parcel, no big deal. But the people outside of it would be shocked to know the dollars that go into what that is versus being able to just have a a team get together, go through and choose what they want to buy. And back in the day, OR was really fun. Uh, Back, I was as a project officer for the, for the government, like I, you know, it was fun to go in. my first, I remember my first outdoor retailer, right. Which was uh, 2000, which was winter 2000. And uh, I remember walking onto that floor and all the same characters are there today, but they're all 20 years older. Right. And so it was, there was a vibe to it. That was amazing. It didn't feel corporate-y. It was, you know, it was this just kind of like vibrant heartbeat of the outdoor industry And I, and I said to myself, I walked down there as a, is again, as a, what a brand new project officer had been out of the service at that point for four months or five months, something like that. And I remember looking around going, someday I'm going to have a booth on this floor. And now you fast forward 20 years later, and now I'm in a, uh, you know, I'm in, in this project and it doesn't obviously have any part of that outdoor retailer thing. And I, you know, just a few months ago, I'm thinking to myself, oh, thank, thank God that I do not have to be an outdoor retailer. And so to, to see it go through that life cycle to, you know, kind of, honestly, it went from this this sort of authentic heartbeat of this thing to it turned into almost kind of like corporate shill in a way. Mm. You saw the same stuff. It was, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't the warmth of a mountain community or an outdoor community coming together anymore. It was just this kind of corporate thing that had this veneer that, that went up on it. And that's what... Are you talking about when it moved to Denver? Or? I'm talking it just the evolution over the 20 oh, okay. years. Yeah. You know, it just more and more moved that way. You know, I'll give you a good example. You know, the first outdoor retailers, you could just bring your dog in, right? And then it went through the middle of, okay, you you have to register your dog. And and, and so everyone dog had a little pad. And then there was a period where you couldn't have dogs. And then you could have dogs back again because everyone got mad because they couldn't have dogs, but you had mm-hmm. to... And it was just this again, the looseness of it, because it, it it's really just defined by liability and cost. Changed, right? There were less of the of the affectionately named dirtbag climbers and sort of the outdoor people, and it was more, hey, what is everybody doing? In sort of like you can tell they wear suits for a living, but now they're trying to look like they don't wear suits because they're at out outdoor retailer, and you are like, you don't look, you, you you spend a lot of time outdoors, or you you know what's right you know you know like it just you could see the difference of it and now again uh as a cost saving measure uh you see you know companies uh, i guess the last one was really bad like bad to the point that they had whole aisles with like blow up uh like pool toys and stuff in them like to just to to put to to add volume to, to a diminished floor cuz it's a big you know that yeah. d- that denver uh you know
0: convention center is massive so yeah well we did a we did an SIA there when I was working with you at Smith, that one yep. year we went. Yep. You and that was a fun show. S- I had a, that was the first time I'd ever been to a SAA It was good SAA and it was it was fun. Yep. That, that was my uh, my one and only time that I went and did that. That was a good time. Or I think I went with you with Smith, and the first time I ever went to Or was like 2012? two thousand twelve. 2012. That'd be right. And I was the only the show that I'd gone to before that. My, my only experience with trade shows was Shot Show prior to going to Outdoor Retailer. And so, and I had started going to a shot show in 2004 while I was still on active duty as a guest for Surefire. Yeah. Yep. So Surefire used to, I have great relationships over there. And and so they would take me to the show with them while I was still on active duty. And so 2004 was that. And so then as luck would have it, my rotation schedule, like my deployment and rotation schedule for the the last couple of years, I was on active duty, 04, 05, because I got out fall of 05 and then started contracting. And then the way my contracting schedule fell, I was always back for SHOT Show. Like I was always home in between deployments for shot show. So I went to, I don't know, I think I'm like on my 18th, 17th or 18th shot show. If I go, if I, which I'm planning on, if I go this year, which I'm planning on doing, I'm, I'll be like 17, 18 shot shows deep. So I think at that time, so 2012, yeah. So I was, I was eight shot shows deep mm-hmm. in, and then had never been to any other trade show. And you're like, yeah, come, come to, come to the outdoor retailer show with us. And so I showed up to that and it was a completely awesome, but different vibe. Yep. Yep. Like I was like not surrounded by interesting characters that you find at Shot Show, the, the overweight hillbilly dudes. That, and, and they've tightened up the show, the entrance you know parameters for the show. Like Billy Bob can't get in anymore in the, unless he's actually credentialed by a company, which I, I like that they did that. But back in the day, anybody could just show up to Shot Show and you'd get some wild characters in there. And what I liked about Outdoor Retailer, there was none of that. No. It was a great vibe. There was like just cool outdoor people there in the outdoor space, dogs like you, you know you mentioned, and the vibe was just really, really good compared to like and so I, I enjoyed it. I had a blast and then it got to the point where like I enjoyed it more. And then the funny fact is that a lot of people don't know unless you're in the industry is a lot of the program shops and force mod shops not only are interested in you know hardware at shot show, they're all also interested in out like apparel backpacks, environmental protective stuff for, you know, operating in the mountains. And so you would get all of the program officers and or program shops and a lot of the Force Mod guys would show up. And it got to the point where like I was getting more interaction with them at Outdoor Retailer than I was at SHOT Show.
1: Well, you know, usually those force mod shops are broke down into those those categories, right? So it's usually, your, your gun guy is usually not your apparel or, or your OCIE guy. And so it, I'll tell you for us, outdoor retail, I mean, Beyond was a is a direct-only company. Beyond isn't a retailer. So being an outdoor retailer, like why, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had to explain this to people. Like, why the hell are you spending this money and being an outdoor retailer? You're not a retailer. And I'm like, yeah, that's true but if you're not an outdoor retailer for many many years and it might be changing now but for many many years you're not an outdoor company. Right. And so I would use outdoor retailer for the for the PR, yeah, for side brand, of the brand outdoor awareness. Yeah. brand awareness, all the things that come along, but inside of it it was completely for the mission teams to come meet with us and sort of and spend the time there. So the actual work getting done there was all mission around it while we were launching sort of uh working with a uh, you know, magazines and different things on the on, on the outside of it for the outdoor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the outdoor side of things. So it was, and we were the, f- one of the first to do this. And then all of a sudden other companies started showing up, which is part of the demise of OR as well, you know, because a big, a big company, if you're paying a half a million dollars for a, for a, for a space and you're not writing paper there, all of a sudden, all it is, is a marketing expense. And it's a really expensive, kind of not that effective marketing expense because all this is industry people. If you know the word outdoor retailer, you're not a normal consumer. You don't fall into normal. You're a you're an industry insider if you even know what it is, right? And so it was, you know, again, all that's been really wonderful, and and, uh, obviously in this in Huck's works, where you know we're a little more shot show uh, adjacent, and we'll have this year we'll have a booth on the floor, and then we'll have what'll be called Beyond Shot at the Huck's house. Um, which, uh, which, uh, I, you know, I was really, really kind of cool of beyond to allow me to carry the hotel. So we buy out a hotel for the week of shot show and started doing that three years ago. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, and it's, and it's a very controlled environment that allows us to do a lot of things. But, but now that has come here to, to Huxworks and beyond will still be a part of it. It'll still be called beyond shot at the Hux house. Our Thursday night event will have a different name now that'll be kind of like brand agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but for the first time here now in many years, I will have a booth on the floor and I'll have a presentation and a capture point back at the hotel and we'll be kind of working both, which is really interesting. So, and, and, uh, of course that allows other brands to be a part of it. And, and, uh, a lot of people can interface back at the hotel or if they're actual retailers or dealers, which now I of course have distributors and, and dealers and all sorts of things on the kind of what would be the normal commercial side of things with this, with this project, uh, we can service all of them at the show uh, very effectively in a really cool way. So, but it's a bigger, a little bit bigger footprint and it's more people. And then of course we have, uh, you know, we're launching uh, this new brand uh, is launching, you know, there on the floor. And so it'll be the first time anyone really, other than people that are listening to this or other things really that they really see it. The launch is one January, uh, for Huxworks, from a product and a you know kind of approach standpoint, that's when that really starts to change over. And and of course, we will always you know acknowledge we you know formerly we were OSS suppressors, and there's some great lineage there, and there's a lot of great things that happen inside of that. But our new path, based on sort of safety, uh, with with frankly with a with a lethality team inside of that to work with the teams, but the forward facing side of it will be based primarily on safety and it will take systems of systems and we're going to really characterize some elements around firearms and other sort of high velocity events. could be platforms. It could be a lot of different things. Uh, Vehicle platforms could be a lot of different things that we then can look at physiological impact and make products to help mitigate and really provide uh, for the professionals uh, for sure, a better path to health after having a very long, uh, long career there. And then on the commercial side, we'll be focusing on some great stuff. Like, uh, some of it will be conservation and outdoor awareness. Uh, A lot of it will be around hunting and, uh, hunting suppressed and what that does. But even, even really just this concept of a suppressor, you know, being a safety accessory and what it's intended to do. And then, and then you add onto it toxic gas mitigation and things that OSS, you know, kind of coined and owns the, IP4 that then Huxworks will carry on. We will go from, you know, we'll take more of a lab code approach and really be able to show people what it is, but we're going to wrap it in a mountain brand that's a lot of fun and is kind of, it's kind of the, I would say by my third, I would say on my third brand build now, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of a really my kind of playbook, if you will, for how to build a brand and a tribe that people want to be a part of. Make it fun. You know, like I said, don't take ourselves real seriously, but take our, our tech very, very seriously. And that's been something that's been, was real at Smith, was real at Beyond, and, and it'll, be, uh, it'll be real at uh, Huxworks as well.
0: Yeah, so the foundations where OSS came from, you know, I was privy to some of that. And um, I was always very impressed about, I always felt like what OSS was doing was breaking the mold in terms of suppressors. Because for dec- literally decades, it was, you know, baffle stack designs. And then 1902 technology. Yeah. And so then showing up here and like seeing what the design was Mm -hmm. and what the capabilities were and the new kind of fresh thought process behind it. And then, you know, seeing the lineage of where it came from and seeing the just, it was just a completely, to me, a divergent course in design. Oh yeah. And so understanding that and then just watching the company go from where it has. So anyway, like I was saying, the... I just want to throw out there for all the people listening that you know watching Brian Bishop go at
1: changing the batteries in his podcast rig much like he's trying to do a tactical reload is <laughs> is is not only fascinating especially as you're sitting here drinking some Jameson watching it all but I just it was it was
0: uh, we had a fuck up my batteries was- just went dead in the recorder while I was like mid sentence which note to self you know check your pre-mission checks on gear so yes that's what that's what occurred so i can actually do tactical reloads way better than i just change those batteries out just Uh, just so you know but sure so anyway like i was saying about watching the technology and where it went where it started and originated from and then what it turned into a product to what it's evolved in to include what you just showed me which will remain secret until until when Uh, probably the middle of next year
1: we'll talk well so we'll talk about it a little bit so we're we were really uh really blessed and and very excited to have just uh been the winners of the down select for the fbi hrt and uh, fbi swat team regional swat teams uh, 556 platform suppressor and we have a new technology and we have uh and it was uh it performed very well we're very excited about it and it will be some of the advanced manufacturing techniques there will be kind of the keystone as we move forward as, as much, again, as a lab and a tech company solving for these problems. And so we're, you know, all those, you know, everything there, all of our ProMod line will be, will be available commercially always, but we will also be building a commercial line that really speaks more to what the commercial uh, consumer is looking for and we're going to come hard at that space too and and it's it's a really fun to watch uh, watch as we've rebuilt the, the the company structure and put the people in place all the different channels starting to work and you know and, and all the infrastructure that went into building this over the last four and a half five months uh to position it to launch into next year it's been really really gratifying and and i can't thank the team enough for all the hard work they put in
0: yeah, I mean you got you you're doing what you normally do, which is assemble good teams of people and <clears throat> one of which Jay. So I got a chance to see the brand guide, the new brand guide. It looks it looks good. I'm excited for you guys because I think now, which is where I was going with my earlier thought process in terms of like talking about like where the technology evolved, one of the things that I thought that I wasn't excited about from an OSS standpoint was I felt like the brand just wasn't, wasn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like they, you know, there was g- very good marketing. I didn't feel like there was a brand that was really resonant. Um, I just felt like it could be done, could have been done a lot better. And then now here we are and you, who, as you mentioned it, or three, this is your third brand, rebrand. Yeah, Post Uncle
1: Sam. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so I'm, I'm really excited and having seen what the team, the collateral that the team's working on, it looks really good. I think it's going to do exactly what you want it to do, which is you know, draw people into, from, into it from a brand standpoint. And then in terms of the the design aspects of putting, you know, human exposure at the forefront, it reminds me of like design school when we talk about human, human-centered design was one yep. of the classes I had to take. Yep. And it's all about basically dimensionality and ergonomic with the human form, essentially. So how to create product that is ergonomic and safe and you know works good in a human hand or on a human body well this and i think this goes actually that's where it
1: starts but i think this goes a lot deeper than that now and this is so we've you know we've had the longest uh, conflict in the history of, of of our wonderful country, and we are seeing now people over a life cycle that have shot uh, suppressed weapon systems, especially for for a very long time. These people are getting out, having you know everyone's a little beat up when you get out when you get out, but they're getting out and they're having a host of other physical challenges, and a lot of that is deals with exposure. And so one of the challenges is a. Uh, any standard baffled can technology and again every baffled can out there again it's it's you know it was early you know like 1902 i think the first baffled can and let somebody wikipedia my ass with that or something but i think that's (laughs) i believe that's that's when the first tech was and and the greatest baffled can technology out there everything stems frankly from finland finland is the is this place where it all sort of came from and uh and still to this day in, in the EU, Finland's one of the leaders, sort of in what that space is. And so, and it works. It works. It is what it is. Um, I'm not taking anything away from it. But one of the challenges with it is, as anyone knows, there is by uh, restricting the flow of those expanding hot gases as part of that projectile going through whatever weapon platform you're talking about, especially for gas guns a lot of that toxic fume is redirected backward toward the user. And if you Oh, I've got, I've had a, I've had a suppressor mustache or two in my day. Yeah, right? And <clears throat> and the mustache is one thing, right? So you've got you've got, you know, trans, uh, transfer of stuff through the skin. You've got and you've got every bad thing in there. You got okay. obviously it starts with like lead and copper, but it goes right to hydrogen cyanide, ammonia, I mean, you name it. Every MSDS, OSHA type thing you're getting blasted back on you at a really high concentration. And we have guys that are coming out that are having to have chelation treatments and to have their blood cleaned regularly. We've got dudes that are impotent getting out you know, with this kind of stuff. Um, overseas, because a lot of the special operations teams overseas shoot only suppressed for a bunch of reasons. Over there, we've got weird leukemias
0: and, and different yeah, cancers. Yeah, different types of cancers are killing guys. All over the place. Yeah, super healthy guys are getting off active duty and retiring and then keeling over from cancer four years later and everybody's like looking around. Why?
1: Well, and if you think about it, you know, it's just not that tough, right? I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're absorbing things through not only your mouth, uh, your nose, directly into your eye, which goes right through those nerves and into the brain. There is, you know, this now is a problem that has to be solved for because- uh, you know, we are now up in the billions with a B for payout for people who have lost hearing uh, because we, of course, we have more veterans than ever for the right. longest thing. And and now it's a line item for Congress that is sizable. And Congress is now starting to say, hey, we need to fix hearing because we don't want to, frankly, they don't want to pay it out on the backside. Right. And so next thing you know, they're like, hey, we're going to, You know They're moving towards suppressing everyone because they think they're going to help hearing. And by doing that, and Uncle Sam is wonderful. Uncle Sam, I owe it everything. I owe it 18 years of my life and uh, I'll never take it away and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But we do kind of have a way of trying to fix problems and causing other problems in the way we fix them. And so this is one of the unique areas where we can work on this right now and we can mitigate all these young kids, can you imagine? You, you, you look every. Nobody feels real bad for a soft guy, right? It's kind of like looking at a crippled-up NFL player. You're like, well, the dude was a rock star. You know, he got the chicks. He got the glory. He signed up. He got in that line in the job fair, right? And everyone's like, you know, and they don't like to see it. And they're like, oh, that's too bad. But in the back of their head, they're like, but that brother was a rock star. And that's what that was. But that's not the same thing for an 18-year-old line dog You know, in the Marines or in in the 82nd Airborne, those are kids that are, you know, hitching up to, you know, who knows, maybe it's for the benefits, maybe it's just for one pump. But if they start getting out because they've had these high exposures, because we've attempted to save their hearing, but then forced all of these other toxic things into them regularly for their workups, and they're just exposed without any mitigation technique in and around it, and really no awareness of what that really is, if it's just the cost of doing business... We're going to cause a problem that is really big, and a, a lot of those people are going to be very young, and they're going to be very damaged in, in a way by doing this. And so, luckily, well, you know, and that's what you know, kind of HuxWorks, works. One of the main priorities we're going to be from a development standpoint is, is really, uh, really analyzing and equating what that looks like, what those, what it takes to mitigate those exposures, and then look at the whole system right? Because uh, this then moves into energy translation through the mandible. And I don't know if I'll, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you have some very savvy listeners, but I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people know that you can wear the best eye pro or ear pro rather ever for every time you shoot a weapon. And if you do it enough, there will be enough energy translation through your mandible to actually degrade the inner cochlear portion of your ear and you will lose hearing just even with perfectly preserved hearing protection.
0: And, well, that's why soft guys who get it, you know, issued extra, I forgot the X, what is it? The extra, you know, the scientific name for over the ear, Yeah. Circumoral. Yeah. Circumoral hearing protection. Thank you. I was having a senior moment there. <laughs> I was like, what is that word again? Circumoral hearing protection are still having, they're still having. Oh yeah. Hearing loss problems. Yeah. And, it, and this isn't anything new, right? This no. is, I mean, look at, you know, air force,
1: you know, look at big platforms, you know, uh, You know, I was doing um, I was lucky enough to be the project officer to 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 really field Mitch Communications for both Maritime and that long time ago. And I had to spend a lot of time around hearing protection. And the truth is, there were things that we just accepted. You know, for example, if you're riding a a CH-47 for X period of time, you're going to have hearing degradation, even though you're protected at 84 decibels or below. And why was that? Well, because you're on this shaking, vibrating platform that's loud as hell and you're absorbing that energy through your skull. And so now take the recoil of weapon systems, take overpressure, take all these different things that are just, it's it's a dangerous job. We're not going to make the job not dangerous. It's, It's combat. Right. For a reason. And a warfighter fights wars. Right. So sorry, that will never be safe, but we can absolutely make it safer. And that's without degrading any of the uh, effects of lethality um, within those systems as well. But you have to look at it as a system. You know, it's everything from what the guy or lady has on his head and the weight and the way it's distributed all the way through to what that platform is, to what they have on the platform, to what load carriage they're wearing or armor and how that, you know, how that's being carried or what position they're in. And without looking at the full system, and that's my big vilification of the industry, right? Everyone makes a thing. You know, I, like, I make the best drop-in trigger group of in the <laughs> world. Uh, is my triggers are the best, you know? And you're like, that's great. And hey, look, I'm not, hey, on. I'm good. I'm sure you got great triggers. But that's not where our passion is. Our passion is let's look at the system. Let's then let the data direct us toward the things we want to develop that will then either make recreationally things just safer and more fun or from a professional side, people more effective and safer over a life cycle. And that's going to be, that's the mission of, of HuxWorks to de-risk high-velocity events. And, um, and that could, could be a myriad of things, but I'm very excited about the scope because it's, you know, like, even like, you know, Smith and like beyond our point here is the save and, you know, saving people and letting them go on to, you know, have great lives and play with their kids. And, and uh, of course, service is something we hold very dear here. Um, You know, we're in, uh, you know, we're owned by folks in Dallas. We're here in Salt Lake. We love, we we, we love our country. Uh, and like anything, you know, all groups of people, you got your rough moments and, and you want to smooth those out and learn from them. But uh, this project is going to be really, I think, really fun as it evolves. And anyone who wants to be a part of it, it's it's inclusive, not exclusive. So, you know, we want to get everyone sort of there and ultimately, um, you know, be able to share and swap the stories around the, the great, you know, sort of exciting things that we do.
0: Yeah. So they're the two things that I think you and I both fo- focused on through our careers are the lethality and survivability piece, and they they go hand in hand with each other. The duality of it, though, flip flops back and forth. Where I feel like at you know at Beyond you were working more in the survivability pond, yep. which if people are warm and comfortable in a cold, wet, disgusting environment, they're going to you know, be suffering less. So they're going to have more mental acuity. So that increases their survivability if they're a little bit more comfortable and not dying of hypothermia. Whereas like yep. now you flip-flopped and I feel like you're now a little bit more in the lethality pond and by having something that will protect you from that environment and cause you to have better situational awareness on the battlefield and mask your signature a little bit more, then that in turn is increasing your survivability. You know, it's funny. I I actually don't see it that
1: way. I, I I mean there's a reason we're a safety company as we move forward. And we don't want to degrade lethality for professionals, but lethal you know, but lethality for consumers is less of an issue. And and of course, depending on where you're at regionally in law enforcement, the terminology "lethality" as a terminology isn't isn't a goal, right? It's it's the save, it's the it's the de-escalation, right? That 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 many many uh, law enforcement organizations are, are are focused on. So so yeah, there's a component of that, right, for sure. But uh, I'm actually leading into it with okay, you know, this will be sort of safety first, and then there will be a small group of advisors built into this. Where we as a lab interface with specialty teams and and those teams will have unique needs that will be really fun that will that will never end up in a you know in a marketing brief or in a catalog, and we will help those people do their jobs better. and that can look like a lot of different things. you know I'll tell you one of the biggest and most interesting things uh, going through the HRT process was if you were to look at HRT's sort of uh, prioritization of what they want, especially in a suppressor, signature from uh, definitely from a flash and some other things weren't even metrics because think about it you if you're a bad guy and you look up and you see a bunch of snipers sitting there that takes the you know takes the lead out of your pencil as they might say right versus if you are a soft guy overseas and you're worried about counter gun fire or trying to truly stay you know, you know, stay sort of, uh, you know, in that, in your profile longer. So that you don't have to, as we used to say, run like a man <laughs> that's, you know, now yeah. ground disturbance flash. Yeah. Like, so what I'm finding is like any industry, they all have these really interesting rack and stack requirements and we've now pulled them apart and we're looking at each channel and we want to give each channel exactly what they need and want for what it is they do. And that's awesome. That's, that's way more fun to do that uh, because, because we don't, instead of going, Hey, I've made this great thing. Everyone should have it. Like, this is the best thing for you. Believe me, believe me, believe me. I'm going to sell it to you. Let's sell, sell, let's sell some more. Like I, you know, I go back to, Hey, look, our teams support the teams that they're at. They're there to develop with them and these new advanced technologies, 3d printing, the way we model, the way we look at harmonics of a, of a weapon system, all those things come in together. And now we can do some really cool stuff that you just could never do before and so it's sort of rocket science meets reality and need and uh, we will keep a bunch of people safe and we will not de-optimize if they're if they're a professional and they have a weapon system and they need to engage a target we will not de-optimize that in any way Um, but we will make it a lot safer we'll make it uh, combat survivable the durability um, and very importantly for our technologies when you take it off the weapon system, the weapon system operates just fine. And that's part of me. It kills me that that isn't maybe one of the biggest conversations when I have to tune a weapon for a certain allow, uh, amount of pressure on a bolt and I have to drop in different buffer springs and different carrier like all these different things, depending on the platform, you're spending a bunch of money. But then when you take the can off, it doesn't work. It, it has failure to feed errors. It just doesn't work well. Well, you've been in enough scenarios and many, many, many of the listeners are have too, and, and I've got to be close to them. Although i you know, I'm no, I'm more of a storied support guy than a storied, you know, warrior of any kind, but there's a lot of scenarios where you know, uh, a can can get damaged, get shot, get, get, take shrapnel. And now you're pulling that thing off, or maybe you just got to get shorter because you got to get into a place and you want to be able to have to run through it. Well, if the gat doesn't work, when the can's off it, like it does when the can's on, to me, that is a primary failure in development and function. And one of the things that, uh, one of the great things about the, the flow-through technology that we use here is it doesn't change bolt dynamic. So you can put it on anything or take it off anything. And now, if you're a gun developer, you can make your beautiful Mona Lisa of a weapon system that's tuned and balanced and everything exactly where way you need it to be and throw this on it and it won't mess it up. Whereas most of the time, a baffled can does mess it up and then you have to retune the platform for it.
0: Yeah, you have to make, you know, that's why it, <clears throat> that was the whole birth of adjustable gas blocks. Adjustable gas blocks yep. was for that reason. And I can't tell you, I've never had an adjustable gas block ever did what it was advertised to do or survived. Like I have definitely blown up a couple of adjustable gas blocks just by (laughs) overwear. they just, they wear out. They've got, you know, the ones with the moving parts in them with the little plate that slides back and forth to open the gas port or, or, you know, whatnot. And it just, I've, 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 I've never been successful with them. I hate them. So I don't put them on my guns anymore. You've got, you know, buffer tube, you've got buffer tube and, uh, or I'm sorry, not tube. You've got buffer and buffer spring different weights you know so yeah there's there's a uh, there's definitely some things that you can do to calibrate the weapon to run suppressed and I've always had the same feeling that you do about it I'm like why can't we just get this thing like we can we can put four wheelers on Mars that stream back 4K video <laughs> like can I just get a can that goes on my gun that yeah. I don't have to worry about like adjusting a bunch of other parts and pieces in it to get it to run smooth and and efficiently. So well yeah. it comes back to developing systems. Yeah. Systems and
1: system approaches which uh which you know uh, is way more uh fulfilling frankly at the end of the day. It's it's but it takes I think a little bit of a uh, I think you have to step back from it and have to be a little less purely um I don't know capitalistic and a little more kind of looking at that end state to kind of get there. And so hopefully there's there's a balance there but at the end of the day you know, it's a group of good people trying to do good things, and um, and hopefully there's a lot of fun that goes along with doing. I'll tell you, being here in in Ida, uh or in Utah, I have already got to sample a lot more hunted meats than I yes. th- you know <clears throat> than I had in my last project, and that's been amazing. So anybody who ever wants to come chuck an elk steak at me, I'm down. I'm yes. In,
0: so yes. And so so what what do you think? Can you outline some of the differentiators in in your challenges? where you were at before versus now, because it's mm. it's essentially two, it's the same, but not where you've, you're dealing with like raw materials, raw materials, acquisitions, storage, like there's, there's a supply chain pipeline inherent with both things that you're doing or have done. So now what do you think the differentiators are in like, what's, what's harder here or easier here than it was at beyond or vice versa? All right. Well, well, it's it's really important to point out that there is, and
1: uh, I, I'm sure there's some listeners that will disagree, which is great. That's a, that's America. But apparel is by far and away the hardest and worst industry you can ever be in. There's no two ways about it. But why? Because every person that's ever worn a pair of pants
0: is an expert on pants. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, you could say the same thing about the gun industry too. There's
1: there there is some of that. But the difference is. You know, when you when you make something that fits a certain thread or goes on to, you know, something in a certain way, you can test that. You can have tolerances. You can do that. There are less, there is more quantifiable testing in that process that you can put in a QA standard. You will always have almost 100% human in the loop in apparel production, which is what makes it beautiful. And that's also what makes it an art. And the challenge is, People change their opinions of things in clothing uh, almost seasonally, and it is really difficult. It's, it's You you end up, you know, working capital, right? Your inventory expenses as you're sitting and you're looking at a pile of, you know, pile of shirts sitting there, you know, folded up and ready to go. And you're right. like, oh, they, they, they would have really loved this shirt if the pocket was two inches over here. Can you, hey, matter of fact, can you do that? Can you make your pocket two inches over here? I could after I sell the 4,000 with the pocket here that I have sitting on because I can't just do that. Right. Um. I had a had a colonel, a gentleman, amazing, amazing, actually, guy in the Rangers. We used to call him the king. Uh, the king, <laughs> you know, he looked at me and he said, Elder, I just need to move a pocket from here to here. This is not, you know, this is not freaking rock signs. I can go down down to my little lady down the street here at Fort Benning. I can have her do it anytime I want. And I had to look at him and go, sir, I, I you know, sir respectfully the king uh, you know you're smoking crack you do not know what the hell you're talking about Mm -hmm. and you're not grading that pocket over 16 to 26 different sizes uh and looking at how it impacts every one of those and then looking at tolerancing whether it's made in asia uh central america or the us and how different types of um seam tolerancing have to be built into those to make that happen because every one of those regions has a different capability in the way of sewing something and when you really get into it honestly if a person really understands clothing and they get into
0: it every time they put on something that actually fits they should be amazed they're like holy
1: shit i can't believe this even
0: works." well i've i've had brands that i absolutely love i mean let's you know uh, cool is one of those brands, mm-hmm. a local brand. They make, they've got a great brand and they make amazing, like my yep. favorite, my favorite pants. But I've had cool pants that like fit me amazing that I absolutely love. And I cry when they like finally blow a seam or get a hole in them and I have to like DX them. But I've also then bought the same pants and put them on and been like, who the fuck made, who oh. did Helen Keller sew these together or, or how did, how did these? And then what'll happen is there's been times where I'll like check the labels and one of them is manufactured in one country, yep. and one of them is manufactured in the other
1: country—Thailand, Bangladesh, mm-hmm. China. Yeah. Um, oh no, it's uh, it is uh, incredible. It's infuriating. It's uh, so difficult to do clothing well, and I love it. It's like a it's like an addiction. But it's. A, I am now. I've promised myself it'll be three years before I talk about clothes. Like I'm. <laughs> I, I, I need. I need a clothing detox because I'm yeah. wired to be, get back in. Like yeah. I was. You know. <laughs> you know. You know. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. A year ago, I was sitting with you know Japanese fashion designers in Tokyo, mm-hmm. talking about you know talking about the perfect stitch versus the wabi sabi imperfection mm-hmm. and beauty in the world, right? and then you know now i'm i'm uh, which is amazing i'm looking at you know welders that are you know welding with the same precision and and beauty in what they do it's still a makers movement um but what's nice is once i do that bore calibration and once we get everything on and you know by damn the thing works and it fits and right. n- nobody looks at it and says hey you know, why didn't you put a pocket here? Like, I just I just I need about three years of not. Can that. I get it in navy blue? Can yeah? Well, we have color of the month here too, but we're fighting that. But it's, it's oh, what uh, it, so tell me about that. What's, the, what's it, the you know? It's like hey, this is great. Uh, could I get it on in flat dark earth? I'm like, it could. Man, we got a lot of them in black I'm sitting here right now. That'd be nice to you have. You could maybe that.
0: take some high temp Krylon and hit it with that. Yeah, but that's that's not the way you deal with customers. Or the customer is always right. I mean, yes, you're at. Right. Yes, I know this. Right? Yes, for my own. Yeah. My, my own adventures. Yes, the customer yep. is always right. I don't even argue with them. I'm like, what can I do to What can I do to make you? And I'm really, you know, I'm really fortunate in like that. We do not get a lot of customer. We don't get a lot of customer pissiness. But in the occasion we have, and funny enough, it's not with the hard goods side of the house. It's with the soft goods side of the house. It's Every time my helmet cover, who's not manufactured by me, by the way, will sometimes have. There'll be like a couple bad ones in the batch that won't fit properly. Or they'll have a couple of seams pop loose when the guy or, you know, girl puts it on their helmet and wears it for a while. And and then I'll get these emails. And you know what I do? I, for helmet covers anyway, and depending on the severity of the situation, I'll just like kick them a refund and send them a free cover replacement. All day. Here you go.
1: Yeah. it's And the problem is, is no matter what you do for a clothing line, you will never be able to take that variability out. Yeah, there's ne- there's never a time then you can have the perfect because again, it's 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 that's what makes clothing beautiful. It's human in the loop mm-hmm. and layers of human in the loop. Right. But I'll tell you, there was there were programs, <laughs> programs that I've done in different areas because I, I got the, you know, I, I had, you know, I got into clothing because I got to do clothing systems for Special mm-hmm. Operations Command. And then, of course, they went on to, to larger services. I think you should talk it. about that because it's one of you, I, the biggest things that I... That, I, th- I think these people... Hey, you didn't release my podcast until like a few months ago. I don't think anybody wants to damn hear about me as a project officer. No,
0: because here's what I found out about podcasts. is There are people that will not listen to the first one that have just now jumped on the bandwagon. And they're like, Rick Elder, who the fuck's Rick Elder? Oh, he's used to work me. What the fuck? Who is this guy? Oh, he did another podcast. Well... It's all right. It's too late because we're already twenty down the road. I'm not going to go back and listen to all of them. So I'm just going to listen to this one. Who is this guy? What has he done? Because I feel like the what you did as a project officer at Natick was very substantial, especially for like all the guys that are on active duty right now in special operations or ground combat arms in general. They are now getting all this like great gear. They don't realize that you're the guy that like came up with the Mitch or like pushed the Mitch helmet. Well, there, there they don't was, know that you're the guy that pushed Imbav. They don't know that you're the guy that pushed Oakley eye shields. They well, don't know that you're the guy that, that <laughs> did the PCU cold weather system with Patagonia and Mark Twight back in the day.
1: Well, there was, there, there were some great
0: programs uh, inside of all that and,
1: and a lot of great need. Uh, so I will, I will summarize and then I'll tell you a fun story. Cause I think that'll be more interesting for you. Cause you've heard all the stories. So, I'll But my su- listeners haven't. I have yeah. to, be, I have to be a good shepherd for I'll, my... I'll, I'll, I'll summarize. Uh, you know, assholes knock down big building. Great Americans with shitty equipment go to uh, SmackDown said assholes. Yeah. Get over there. Realize they're freezing their Cajon Jays off. <laughs> use my Spanish. <laughs> and I get a phone call from them, and they say, we need better equipment. A satellite phone call. A uh, satellite phone call from a bomb crater uh, from 5th mm-hmm. Special Forces Group. The third ODA to go in. The one right after the movie. And uh, a gentleman there, amazing guy, Tony Pryor called up and said, he's, you know, Rick, we're freezing and you need to effing do something about it. And then the phone went dead and it really spurred me into the next two and a half years for that project of my life where we developed a program that didn't exist. What was we, the
0: short-term fix to get those guys taken care of before you got the pro- before the, uh, the the program became what it turned out to be? Well, the, we fielded block
1: zero in less than six months. So there was no, I mean, they were buying off. These are SF guys, right? right? So they were able to, they were, they, the the boxes of North Face flew into them, right. you know, of their own accord right yeah. after that. But, uh, you know, when you have a, a need and you don't have a program line and you have no money, there is no program. And I don't know if anyone's ever been with uh, Uncle Sam a long time, but to just put money in a line, it takes four years. You plan for it. And four years later, the money shows up where it's at. And so I had no money. I had no way to do it. I had a need and we had a war. But I also had this printed out thing that me and all the other pride officers, uh, Chris Palmer, Johnny LaPlume, uh, you know, there was a handful of us that were in there, hung up. There was from a guy named Schulte, who was the actress executive for SOCOM. And it basically said, fuck the rules. Get it on. The boys need it. Go. Don't worry about the rules. And of course, everything in that, A, I, I'd only been there like few months. So I didn't even know any of the rules anyway. So I, I wasn't really working. I, it took, it wasn't until five years later. I actually took the classes and learned the rules. I was like, Oh, wow. That's
0: different. You're like, oh, I, I broke a fuck ton of rules. Yeah. And then,
1: I, yeah. And then I was like, how did, how do you guys get anything done? I was amazed by, yeah. by the the rules, but, but, uh, we flew right into action, uh, found dollars where there weren't any. And that's a whole nother thing. And then we're able to develop with industry uh an amazing full spectrum co of the clothing system for mountaineers basically Mm -hmm. that then fielded very quickly uh went on navy seals deploying in october of that year the first first ones to deploy with it and then um block one uh fielded it uh a few years later three years later actually with patagonia um is one of the primary partners inside of that and um and it's, it's stayed that way since right but I did everything wrong. I learned I, every stupid, moronic, damn clothing statement that I've ever heard uttered from another person to me came out of me first as I was going through this. And I learned little simple things like, hey, if you're doing on a factory and the guy that's working this one machine, tensions is it wrong because he got all drunkard up the night before and came in all messed up, you might have a whole shipment of things that the left arm just falls off and you don't know why and then you have a master chief you know it's known known as mr you know master chief scott williams at the time who uh, has met the mcleod the kodiak bear just screaming you down uh like in an amazing way and you (laughs) and and you realize you didn't like like i didn't actually sew it but i am somehow still the asshole Mm -hmm. here right so you learn to fix that stuff and that that's Really, how that all came together, but let me tell you the fun story. So, so I actually just got a call from uh, from Polar Tech, and they wanted a story around how their Alpha insulation was developed. And uh, so they they called me because this was a very interesting thing. So we we had been uh, fielding these systems for a while, and uh, by 2007 ish, we have everyone who knows, anyone who had PCU or uh, you know the um, Equex uh level three had the big fat like malmute fleece kind of uh yes. puffy thing right I love that thing if- People love it. I love that. Thing. But they love it because it's super comfy, and you wear it around camp. And it's like it wasn't really a great thing to take into the field. It held water. Well, it was, it was a
0: great thing to take in the field if you were in a dry desert environment. If you were going into any type of precip, no, you left that. You left yeah. that because you'd be wearing a f- essentially a wet dish sponge.
1: Yeah, that never. Yeah. That, that was very hard to dry. Yeah. and it w- took a lot of space. That yeah. thing was very, you know, so in a pack. Yeah, super bulky. Yeah. So they, we were losing. People weren't. You know, they weren't drawing them from the stocks, and there was, you know, the demand was going down. And, and uh, PolarTech came to me, and they're like, "What's going on here?" And I'm like, "Well, I feel like I need to sit with you guys." And PolarTech was, an, you know, is was an amazing company, and we were very close at the time. And uh, we couldn't have done gotten anything done uh, in many areas if it wasn't for great vendors like that, which spurred me on to want to become a, a try to be one of those great vendors yeah. because without the great vendors, nothing works. Right. right. No, nothing works in the government. The government can't do shit without having great vendor partners. And so they got, I got in this room with like 25 people, like the CEO, uh, you know, wonderful guy, yeah. like all the whole development, all of these people I know and I care about, cared about at this point. Like I worked for years with them and did amazing things. And I had to sit there and I looked at them and I told them, I said, hey, look, Fleece is yesterday. And I told them literally, I looked at this whole company and I said, if you don't come up with a new technology and I have some parameters around a technology that I need, But if you don't come up with a new technology and you don't, you know, always you can supply fleece, but every Chinese mill is just grinding out fleece now. You're not, you, you will be left behind and, and this, this organization will, will go under. Now, here's at the time, like GS-13, you know, actually, no, yeah, GS-13, I was like, I think I was an APM at the time, APM Spear. and, And I'm this government guy sitting here with all these dudes marketing and everything going, hey, you guys are screwed if you don't come up with something new. Because this has all been done. you can't rest on it. It was so sexy six years ago it's it's now it's part and parcel and and, right. and you look at all the big all the big companies they they source their own stuff, they don't you know there's no you know there's you've lost like the polar tech fleeces in many cases because they can go do their own thing for pennies on the dollar because it's it's a commoditized technology now in the way that's done. so to their credit, to their credit, literally. Maybe two months later, two months later, um, they showed up with Alpha insulation and the first versions of Neo shell, which were massive departures yeah. for Polar Tech.
0: Huge departure, and
1: yeah. they ended up being uh, really successful, especially Alpha on the commercial side for them. But also ended up being integrated into uh, all sorts of stuff on the military side, and, and I got to you know help do the testing. And actually, at the time, then that same master chief Scott Williams. And then worked, I mean, he technically worked for me, but I feel like I always worked for him. I still, like I think I still work for Scott. I don't know how, <laughs> like when he called, like he's I think. A great dude. Yeah, he's a great I dude. I love running into um, him. But, uh, but yeah, but that that's, you know, that's how those technologies came about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's when you've got a great R&D team that spins up based on a need. Right. Um, and they're being driven in a way, magic can happen. And, and it did in that case. So it was fun to tell that story back to them because, they wanted to relearn the story because they've changed. They've been acquired. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And then I got this really nice guy that you know got there like 2012 from them on the phone. They're like, "It's important we know this." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's, your, it's it's the company's lineage and it's the stuff of legends that you can leverage." And every there's so many companies that have stories like that. You know, Mystery Ranch and things they did for those packs. There's communication stuff. There's everything you put on you has some hero vendors in there somewhere somebody that was trying and working really hard to take care of them and those people they never get talked about they never get any of the credit but nothing would have happened without them right and so
0: thanks to all you folks as i sip some jameson on this thing yeah to everyone out there in the industry that bends over backwards to put good gear on the guys yeah yeah Yeah, for for sure so you're here what's walk us into what's the so you're you're biggest next biggest thing what's the ne- product wise product wise what's the next what's the next biggest thing we are going to uh, you showed uh, me you showed me the current sample of products which i've been yep i'm very familiar with because i I've, you know this is what i've been doing i've been doing gun stuff for 16 years yep yep so we
1: have a bunch of uh uh we have a whole new pistol line frankly that is now being relaunched with some sex in it and that's kind of fun um all massively overbuilt. That's we do that really well here. We just really overbuild the shit out of stuff. So it's like you know auto rated titanium bodies, like you name it. If you could, <laughs> if it could have satellite radio in it, it would fucking have that, <laughs> right? So, so we got a bunch of that going on, which is great. We've got um, we've got a roadmap for a bunch of new cleaning products and technologies for next year. Uh, obviously, it's a new brand, a whole new merch line. But then we have um, multiple new uh, suppressors that will drop later next year that are really cool and more commercial uh, oriented that take into account not only can you tease out at all or does it have to? I'm looking at something that's sitting it's, on this table. Well, right. this isn't that te- this is completely different. Oh, this is other stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's you're looking at ProMod. This is this, you know, the things you're looking at are made for professionals with that rack and stack. Um, but I'm talking about the person, the, com- the consumer that wants to get something that, you know, maybe they only buy one can. They like the modularity of it. Maybe they need flow through on certain things. Maybe they need it to be closed down on others. Maybe they use it to hunt. We're a big proponents of suppressed
0: hunting Yeah, How's am I? So, uh, so I've been, I've been suppressed hunting for quite a long time. It's now. it's yeah.
1: just it makes so much sense on so many levels, and it's so much better for the environment as well right, yeah. on, on a lot of levels. So we have a, a bunch of really cool things baking there, and then of course on the professional side, we have uh, some some neat you know advanced technology stuff. We have. We're scaling up to machine guns and looking at some really neat, uh, uh, you know, applications on that side. But again, we're really diving into next
0: year. Not into, to be confused with building machine guns, because there's people that will hear this and then they'll run around and no, be like, no. "Huxworks
1: is going to build machine guns." Nope, nope. I'm going to, you know, we will make uh, for many people out there. We will make suppression systems for legacy platforms and okay. for new platforms moving forward, uh, because you can. You can, you know, there's no reason why a mod deuce shouldn't be able to be suppressed. Correct. That's ridiculous um, for so many reasons. And so, uh, um, and, you know, and and our flow through actually reduces recoil. And there's, there's like a, this is not a sales pitch. There's a ton of things that are the reasons I actually stepped into this project. And eight years ago, when I got to be around the OSS and and, uh, Russ, the founder and all, a bunch of wonderful people there, they, uh, um, I believed in it then too. And so- now it's evolved itself. We've got to, uh, we're expanding our research and development, we're expanding our manufacturing, we're expanding our marketing and, and the way we support and our service uh support for the different channels and and um and then we're gonna be moving facilities here and, and having a whole new experience in that side too. So there's uh it's a ton of stuff, but it's it's honestly exactly the same thing that we did at Beyond, right? And it's a different, different type of tech focus. Um, but you want an environment that your folks are stoked in. You want a team that's amazing and smarter than you at everything they do. And, um, you want a place, you want to build a place that you want to work that has a service component to its culture, um, and takes pride in the people that it supports and the products that go out. And that's, if you can put that together, I don't care what your widget is. It's, you're going to, you're probably going to win hopefully. And so that's, that's the goal. And this is the beginning of that build.
0: Yeah, well, I would say this is round three for you of already producing round one and two of that. so yeah, I'm excited to see where where things go from here. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, it's uh, it's
1: you know I, I you know I will say I don't know how many of these I have left in me because um, there's it takes a lot of uh, investment, you know up front from a, from just a personal wear and tear. Yeah, your, your schedule is
0: like yeah, it's nothing short of so, crazy. So,
1: but when it starts to work, it feels amazing, and you mm-hmm. get to you know you get to sit on podcasts, and you get to wax philosophical about things that happened in the past. That you know, I mean, I'm I don't know how many years out I am before somebody gives me the like the veteran ball cap. You know that you wear around. Like I'm, I'm getting way closer to that than freaking having done I mean, anything you I dynamic.
0: Are, we're both, we're both right? rapidly approaching. So that. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to hand me my. Yeah, you know, my marine, my my red, bright red marine gold with all my ribbons. Yeah. on it. Yep. I'll be sitting at the VFW with a huge white beard,
1: and I'm okay with that. That's that's I will wear that proudly when we, when we get to that yeah, point. When we so, get there, you know. not there
0: yet. No, no, but almost, no. damn near.
1: We're rapidly approaching. No. But, but uh, you know, but I will say if anybody that's running around SHOT Show, you know, stopping by and saying hi, or uh, if you're in, you know, if you're in Utah, um, you know, as we move into this new facility, give, give us a couple of months. we move This new facility, it'll have a retail space. Hopefully it has a coffee shop in it, which will be really fun. Um, uh, and for the professional teams, it'll have an experiential range set that uh, hopefully we can test, quantify, again, more like a lab in the way you can come with your problems and we work through them with you uh, as, you know, trusted agents versus, Hey, here's the thing, buy it. You know, right. Um, that's, that's not the philosophy we have here. So it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't know, it should be a lot of fun. It should be great. And of course you've got white Cap mountains, you know, surrounding us here and uh, you know, just a great, you know, Salt Lake's awesome. The people are awesome, you know, and I'm now that I'm in Texas, I'm loving, I did, I always tell people, you know, I, I haven't been in Texas long, but it took me this long to get there and uh, and I, really really like the experience down there and the people and in the culture and everything so it's honestly you know everything's pretty freaking awesome you know to be frank
0: yeah i mean texas is a great it is great and i've got many friends that are down in texas so yeah i'm i'm excited to see where you guys go from here thanks man thanks thanks for taking the time like because i know your schedule is absolutely insanity so And um, and for your for your listeners as
1: the second rick elder podcast in x amount of time i fully apologize you will not be hearing you shouldn't apologize time. It's and it's too much too much just no. way that you know you, you know brian's told me all these interesting people he's gonna be
0: talking listen to. if you keep fucking talking shit you'll i'll make you the co-host and then you'll just we'll have to <laughs> find time to do this every week so, i'll be the straight man <laughs> yeah. so well thanks man i appreciate the time and where you got direction for social platforms and for guidance for those they want to see more of what's going on yep. here.
1: We should have in the next, uh, next, um, obviously today, OSS, uh, suppressors.com is up. That changes to a brand new platform, Huxworks.com, H U X W R X.com. And I think that happens here in, I believe November, I believe. Um, and then of course, Huxworks as a brand goes live and hot, uh, really in full effect one January. Um, and then, um, and then it and it kind of moves forward from there. So it's you're in the very early bake stages, um, but uh, but the team is building the collateral. We've got uh, some great storytelling um, that's going to be inside. And of the merch that. looks great. And like the,
0: the team's killing it with the new with the new brand guide, the new merch line. It looks it looks awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, it looks great. Will Petty, I saw your fucking t shirt. I'm coming for it. <laughs> yeah, we like Will. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's great dude. Yeah, so if you don't know about Will, go check him out, Centrifuge Training. He is a huge proponent for what's going on here and a good friend of mine. All right, man. Well, I guess that wraps us up. All right, man. Thanks hey. for joining. Yeah. I appreciate it. Much love to everybody. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We will catch you next week. Peace.